0: here. <laughs>
1: What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Come Get Your Flowers. I'm your host, Deon Genty, and I have a very special guest with me. He has a YouTube channel called The Armchair Autora, which is an ongoing video series where he talks about new movies, old movies, screenplay analysis, and television. He does movie reviews at Looper and The Baltimore Beat. Also, he's the creator and host of the podcast, Your Favorite Film Critic. He's definitely my favorite film critic. Ladies and gentlemen, Don Griffin is in the building. What's up, man?
0: Hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Happy to be here.
1: Of course, of course, man. like I said, I talked to you before the show, like um when it like I would say like you I definitely credit you for really expanding my my taste in film like i I pretty much the last year and this year and a half just been watching any kind of film. I, that dom recommends or even someone like justin shout out to justin recommends on his letterbox I, I definitely just go look up and just see okay like what what are they what are they watching i want to i want to see why they think this is good and honestly like i appreciate your just your expertise your knowledge of film and just your opinions in general like just thank you thank you Of course, man. We have to get you on the show. So, my first question to you, man, is like, what is something you've been feeling as a lately? It could be a new song, album, movie, TV show, book, hobby, activity. What is something that you've been feeling as a lately?
0: You know what? I I usually listen to a lot of music, but I've the last like month or two, I have not. I mean, I listen to like the new Drake quite a bit, but like in terms of like something I've really been feeling is um. Uh, I watched just a bunch of horror movies this month. Like I mm. watched like uh, for for October, I do like the Hooptober thing. Uh, and I watched uh, 55 of them in October, uh, which is not my, my highest is I think I watched 67 in 2020, but it was 2020. We weren't, we weren't doing shit else. It doesn't really count. Yeah. Uh, but I, the last one I watched um, is this, this Dutch uh, murder mystery called uh, Amsterdam. It takes place in Amsterdam. And um, I my friend recommended to me my my best friend Cody was like, oh, you have to watch this, and he has very he really likes trashy shit. He loves like terrible movies, so I was like, all right, this is gonna be some some garbage. But I like garbage, like garbage is fun. Yeah, and I threw it on is my is my final horror movie on Halloween last night, and I was like, oh, this is like a good movie. It's like actually like uh, I really liked it. I I, I anticipated it was gonna be something I would like ironically, or I'd be like, oh, this is funny. Um, the ending of the movie is atrocious it's terrible it's one of the worst (laughs) things i've ever seen in a movie but everything leading up to the ending i was like yo this is like really i I guess the thing i'm feeling a lot lately is i like when i go into something with expectations and those expectations are subverted but not like that's not the reason it it is like that like i you know i watched Amsterdam. i thought it was going to be one type of movie then there is randomly a boat chase this is not a movie that i thought was gonna have a boat chase in it that's really cool you know um I, I went to a, a press screening uh, this morning of uh, Ferrari, the new Michael Mann movie. Oh, which yeah. I, I, I really liked. Uh, there's a there's a bit in the... I'm not going to ruin it, it moves for a month, but I'm going to ruin it, but there's a bit in the movie that is extremely violent. And when it happened, I was like, I did not come into this movie the first hour and whatever, did not tell me in any way or even telegraph that I was going to see something like this. And it really hit me. You know what I mean? It really stuck with me. And I'm like, you know... I consume so much media and so much of it becomes like more and more uh, just, I don't want to say predictable, but it's like, if you watch enough stuff, you know where things are going. You know yeah. what I mean? Like in general things kind of follow a certain structure or certain whatever. So at this, at my big age, when I can go into something and be surprised, like genuinely surprised, not shitty twist surprised, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I basically, I want it. I want more movies that I watch to randomly have boat chases or, the the grizzly uh bit in ferrari that i imagine a lot of people are gonna be talking about soon
1: okay okay cool hey you, i mean you just said like you was what hey well first of all you was talking about terrible movies we're gonna get to a terrible movie that we both love in a second uh more moving along later into the interview but uh you were just talking about how you watched over like 50 horror movies was there was there besides Amsterdam Amsterdam was there a, another horror movie that stuck out to you
0: there were uh there were a few that were really good. I mean, I I watched the entire Friday the thirteenth franchise, which I'd never done before. I'd never seen any of the Jason movies. So that what? Was an, that was an experience, I'll say. Um, after I put out I, I, one of the episodes of my pod was just themed around that. After it came out, I got nothing but just like dms and texts from friends being like you know I can like any everyone has a different f- favorite of friday the 13th movie and i didn't like almost any of them really so was like wow. this isn't your favorite oh. and i was like i thought it was all right i mean i ended up one i shouldn't have watched all of them over the course of 48 hours that i was done uh and then two i like i just i went in with weird expectations i guess like most horror movies the first one is amazing and then they get like worse like the first uh nightmare on elm street incredible the other movies are not that good the first uh Halloween is like great, and then the other ones are like whatever. Uh so I just assumed the first Friday the 13th was gonna be like you know, a banger. And I was like, this is like barely a movie. Like what? This is how did this <laughs> spawn sequels. And the second one, I was like, this is almost better. I can't tell like it doesn't really get good for like four or five fucking movies, you know? So yeah, um, that was a thing. But uh I watched um I watched oh, you know, I saw a movie uh When Evil Lurks, which uh, is on Shudder now, I think. Hmm. It's I think it's Argentinian and it's a it's like a sort of like a post-apocalyptic like the last of us type story but the thing that makes it an apocalypse is that there's like a virus but it's not like an actual virus it's like people get possessed by demons wow Um, so it's like a possession movie sort of but mixed with like the structure of a zombie movie and the movie has this really strange like arcane lore and it it it, it it meets out information throughout the story in a really weird way where I'm like 20 minutes in. I don't know what the fuck's going on. 25 minutes in. I'm like, okay, so it's that. Like you're really piecing it all together very slowly, but it's uh, really grisly, really bleak. Like this made me feel really, I was like, it's one, it's, it's one of the few movies that has come out post 2020 that is like clearly people exercising their demons from the pandemic and like how that changed the world. Uh, but it's the first one I've seen where I was like, this actually feels right. This actually is how, how sort of hollow the world can feel uh, at, at times. So that was a really good one. Uh, a lot of, I mean, every every year that I do the horror movie thing, I will watch at least 30 movies. Sometimes I watch a lot more, sometimes I watch a little less. And a bunch of them end up being just like dog shit. You <laughs> know I mean? A lot of them are just like, why did I do that? Um, horror is just one of those genres where it's like, even the shitty ones are generally kind of fun or entertaining in some way. So I watched several where I was like, this is dumb. Why would I watch this? But I watched one called um, Eyes Without a Face, which is like from 1960. It's like a French movie. Mm. And it's sort of like an artsy version of like a mad scientist movie. Like this plastic surgeon uh, causes a car crash that takes his daughter's face. Like she has to wear a mask around the house. So him and his assistant uh, kidnap young women to try to steal her a new face. And it keeps what not the... working. Yeah, yeah, I was like, this is 1960. Like, there's certain That's things. That's insane. <laughs> a lot of times, you know, people that don't like older movies, it's like, you know, old movies they don't nothing really happens. It's more boring. But there's a lot of moments in like the 50s and early 60s where stuff happens that you're like, oh, like there's a whole shot in that movie where he's just like cutting a bitch's face off, like in like it was in one unbroken take of like. The, the makeup effects were really good. But yeah, I'm like, I didn't know we were gonna. Ha- I thought they just cut. You know, a lot of old movies, the camera just drifts away. Yeah, when the TV's about to pop out, they drift away <laughs> when someone pulls out a knife, and you just you you figure it out yourself. Yeah, and I was like, no, we're watching this. He's just cutting her whole ass face off. Okay, um, so that was a good one. Uh, the other terrible thing about watching this mini is that like they blur a bit. Like some of them just blur together. Like I literally have to one of the reasons I use Letterbox so religiously is that I don't trust my own memory anymore. Mm-hmm. So ever since the beginning of twenty fifteen, anytime I see a movie, I log on Letterboxd. I don't always write a review, but I always log it. So I'll remember. Because yeah. like I watch so many, I watch so many back to back sometimes. I'm like, what the fuck did I watch? Oh, it was this. It was this. Um, so I can't think of any other big standouts. There there are other standouts, but I can't. None come to mind right now.
1: Yeah, uh, and you were just talking about like how you were into like the Jason series and stuff like that. Is there? Do you think there's like a issue? Maybe not an issue, but do, do you think it's a thing where it's like sometimes like the characters, the horror movie characters, are just really bigger than the franchise itself? Like Jason and you know Michael Myers and Chucky and Freddy, they're big friend they're big characters. But you know, like it's always good the first time, and then like the couple we just kind of like stink. But I think people still are invested because just the character is so. Uh, memorable and they're so mesmerizing and just like, you know.
0: I don't think it's that the characters are bigger than the franchise. I, I think that the biggest reason for franchises degrade in quality is the same reason a lot of things that have several movies degrade in quality, which is that the first movie, I mean, every movie is made to make money, right? Mm-hmm. But usually the first movie is made to like, you know, there's something they want to say or do or whatever, there's some kind of story they want to tell. The second movie is like, okay, do that again. Right now. We need to strike all <laughs> the iron's hot. And then, you know, the next one, it's the same thing. Like, all right, let's keep it going. So it's like, people talk about how, why are like, why do artists have so many, like, why are there so many bad second albums? Why are sophomore, why, why is the sophomore slump? And it's like, well, if you're an artist, uh, you spend your whole life living and doing all these things and you make your first album, you put your whole life into it. And then it comes becomes successful. And they're like, all right, time for album number two. And you have spent a year promoting album number one, not doing any normal people shit. yeah, And they're like, what are you going to sing about? Like uh, (laughs) you know, like you you don't have new things to draw on, and I think movies are like that too. Sometimes a horror movie is really good, and then immediately they're like, "Get back to work, start doing the next one," and you don't have time. You're like, "Okay, I guess you will do it again, but we'll we'll move it to Miami, or it'll get the knife will get bigger." You know, it's just dumb shit happens, and sometimes it's fine. I mean, there are good horror sequels; they're they're not all bad, but like you know, uh, maybe last year, the year before, I did the whole Saw franchise and yeah. uh and i like those movies quite a bit but like mm. you can tell they were doing them one a year for like several years in a row yeah it was like that saw, is not saw, normal saw, saw, like
1: every year yeah
0: and like by the second and third one you can tell they're just scrambling you know by the third one they make one drastically bad decision and then every movie after that is like uh 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 fuck how can we uh <sighs> oh, okay how are we gonna work around this yeah you know? so like that's that's i think what happens it's not even like you know like uh Chucky is not bigger than the Child's Play franchise. He's like the heart of it. Uh and actually I think Chucky kind of proves that you like there are, there isn't a real degradation of quality in all the Chucky movies, but they all they also didn't come out immediately after each other. There's mm-hmm. a through line. It's like the same filmmaker kind of connected to the franchise the whole time. And as a result, there's like consistently good stories. They keep finding new stories to tell with Chucky versus the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, Wes Craven makes a great movie, leaves, and then every director comes in and tries something different. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And then with Friday the 13th, it's like, they didn't know what Jason was for like four movies. You know I even mean? The first, yeah. not even, Jason's not even in the first movie. In the second movie, he doesn't even have the mask. The third movie, he gets the mask and that happens to stick and people are like, that's cool. You should keep that. And then he does. And like, they never get it. They never quite get it right. Like once they figure out what works about that character, Every movie is like, well, I don't want to fuck with it too much, or we'll do a little bit different. And like, they never quite get, I guess, like the sixth one is probably like the, like I think Jason lives maybe. I, I can't, I, there's so many, I can't remember all the titles, <laughs> but like, they get to a point where you're like, this is cool. And the next one's like, never mind. We, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, fuck it. We, they, they, they figure it out kind of. And then every movie after is, is bad in different weird ways, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Did you, you see the new Saw movie? Yeah, yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, I liked it too. I liked it. I, like but, but uh, Saw is one of those things that like I like, and when I meet people that don't like it, I'm like, well, I can't convince you. You know, yeah. I, I can't te- I can't make. I can't make you like Saw. Like, you have to be predetermined to be into that. Um, but I love those movies, man. Even like the not good ones. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he like likes Saw 3D. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that
0: one's probably. I, think that might actually be the worst one my, my least my least what favorite I, I think is is really uh jigsaw because it's like it, it's it's almost it tries to be like a regular movie mm-hmm. Do you know what i mean and like i feel like if saw doesn't have like the camera jittery and like it doesn't seem like a new metal music video or something i'm like <laughs> eh, i don't know the the lens looks clean everything looks fine you know what i mean like saw looks like it exists in a world where there's just warehouses and no commerce moving through them They're just mm. empty rooms and boxes there's video game levels and one guy fucking with people so to try to make it look sleek and more polished i was like eh, no no nah, not not for me
1: yeah um I, I you'd be surprised but saw that saw movie the new saw movie was actually the first saw movie have ever seen i'd never, oh, really? yeah. never seen any saw never seen any saw movies i know the first one has danny glover uh, their story, the story actually behind the, how Saw came about is actually pretty cool. I actually fucked with the story of how they even got it off the ground. But yeah, Saw the la- this recent Saw was my uh, I just that was my first one. I was like, oh, this is. I mean, I've always seen Saw and like you know the just like the hype about it. Like I saw it got mean the scare movie whatever the fuck it was and like I seen mm-hmm. everything. I, I know what it is, you know what I'm saying. But I just never seen a movie. B- but yeah, just to see how it was like. Like, I, I never even thought there was an actual person behind it. I thought it was the whole dog the whole fucking time. I didn't even know there was an actual yeah, person.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, a, the dude is like, it's like a twist that he's the guy in the first movie. And the second and third movies kind of explore his character more. And then they kill him off in the third movie. And he's like the heart of the franchise. So the rest of the movies are like other people picking up his stuff and flashbacks and shit. So for this one, it's like a prequel because people are like, well, we like the, the main guy. You know, yeah. like if if the third Freddy Krueger movie was they defeat Freddy, and the fourth movie is like another parent has picked up the glove. Yeah. So like I don't give a fuck about that. Yeah. You know, um, bring back Freddy. So like, Saw is the first franchise I can think of where they thought they were so cool and daring to get rid of Jigsaw, and then they're like, eh, we should bring him back. We should bring that guy back. It's weird with him not being here. Let's just bring him back. Yeah. He's good. It's the first. It's Saw ten, the tenth movie in the franchise is the first movie where he's like the pov character Mm -hmm. like you see things from his perspective and like it's it's kind of funny to see a guy like in a park drawing uh the the blueprint for a song right but i thought it was really good i was like this is i really liked it i liked it a lot yeah
1: in a very sick way it's some it's somewhat heartwarming you know i'm saying they have some heartwarming moments and it's so weird because it's like okay morality uh, you know morality and like right and wrong and who's who's in who's the real villain here in this situation like it's so i was gonna like bro like what what am i looking at like am i supposed to i don't know where did it feel bad for him or or should i be like yo you're still doing this evil shit though i don't know
0: i think Horror movies kind of operate on a really similar, I mean, I guess all all everything is kind of pro wrestling, right? But it's like, you know, in pro wrestling, you got to heal. If you have someone that they boo worse, that heel is now your baby face. Like, you know, I like yeah. this guy now. I didn't like him, but I really don't like him, so you're cooler. Yeah. And I think that Saw 10 does a really good job of being like, all right, John Kramer is technically a bad person. He, like, thinks he's not killing people, but he's definitely killing people. But this other woman this con artist woman i fucking really hate her like, yeah i hope he gets there you know what i mean so he, he's easier to root for that way yeah she's, like... she's essentially kind of like um a stand-in for like the theranos lady the elizabeth holmes the lady with them fake blood machines and stuff I was oh like, yeah i want i wish i had been in the room when the writer was like yo what if we have have saw versus elizabeth holmes what if we did that Like, yeah, <laughs> fuck it people want to see her with a, a, a iron strapped to her head
1: yeah no fuck it yeah no but i that was a good movie um but some horror movies i would recommend for anybody i, I recommend pearl i loved pearl that was uh, great, yeah i didn't see x i should i see x I, I feel like i should go back and see x
0: x is so x is like good x is like a pretty fun movie i saw x with justin and cyrus uh in Dallas at like a like a Mexican theater we went to. Yeah. So like my my opinion of X is like that that watch was very fun. I've never gone back and rewatched it because I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. Um Pearl is like just better. Pearl's like a really good movie. X is like pretty cool. Yeah. Uh it's um but it's it's fun. It's actually kind of if you've seen Pearl first and then you watch X, it's actually very interesting if you do it that way. Hmm. Like if you watch X and then you see Pearl it, it like it's cool but yeah, you should see it. You should you watch it. Like, I'm curious to see what you think about it, having oh. already seen Pearl.
1: Yeah. Okay. I definitely will. I will recommend Hereditary. That shit was crazy. Uh, Miss Summer is is. I love Miss Summer. That shit was crazy. My girl thought it was the worst, mo- one of the worst movies she ever saw in her life. But <laughs> that's. I thought it was amazing. And then I will recommend Evil Dead from 2013 and Evil Dead Rises.
0: Those People are Evil Dead Rises was cool. I, I, like my i my favorite Evil Dead his movie has movies always been Army of Darkness, just because I like. Mm. crazy things like, like ridiculous stuff mm. um and i thought that the evil dead remake and then like rises were both like again they're like good movies so i was like ah this is f-. i kind of like it when bruce campbell's fighting zombie monsters you know what i, mean? I kind of yeah. like it when it's a little bit goofy but um I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that they've been able to like keep that franchise alive like without sam raimi you know what i mean like it has legs you can keep bringing in young filmmakers and let them let them cut their teeth on it and stuff
1: yeah no absolutely so you know, as, as if people don't know about this conversation, you review a lot of movies, you've seen a lot of movies, but I want to take it all the way back to the very first movie. What was the very first movie you ever fell in love with and why?
0: First movie I ever fell in love with. It's actually very easy is uh Batman 89, the Tim Burton movie. Yeah. It came out when I was three years old. Um, My mom bought me a VHS copy and uh someone like stole it out of our house or something like it went missing somehow so i'm headed buy a second copy and the second copy she wrote on the little thing like this belongs to like a four-year-old boy that's his favorite movie please don't take this or some shit yeah um so the vhs copy that i had for like most of my life um had that written on it and like i've seen that movie like i don't know four thousand times you know what i mean <laughs> like um it was like I, I, there's other movies i like for my youth but babby 89 is like Everything to me, like even like the little Coca-Cola commercial that before the movie on the tape and stuff, like that's those are my earliest memories of like movies.
1: What makes you so infatuated with uh not only just that movie with just even Batman as a as a character, as a hero? Because I, I've seen you talk about the new Batman movie that came out uh with uh in 2020 that came out in twenty if, if I'm mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, like, what makes you so infatuated with the 89 movie and just Batman as a hero?
0: I mean, like, I want to intellectualize it, and make it sound cool, and talk about why the character has meant so much to me over like my whole life because I've read. Talk, like, man, I've re- that's re- what we're here for. I- But I mean, I've read, i read hundreds of Batman comics, I've thousands probably. I've I've seen every piece of Batman media multiple times. Um, he's just one of my favorite characters. I think that he's one of my favorite characters like in all of fiction. Like, I put him up against like characters from like Shakespeare's works. I just love Batman. Um, but when I was like four. I just thought he was cool. I just thought he looked cool. It's like, he just looks cool. Like, even when I started reading other comics and like, I, I really grew up on like X-Men comics, and Batman comics. And like, Spider-Man is cool. Spawn is cool. A lot of characters were cool, but like, just none of them were Batman. You know, like there's just something about the design, the the origin, just the, 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 the rogues gallery. It just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, I guess if like, I was born in 2005 and my first movie was like iron man maybe i just really like iron man yeah but i kind of doubt it i don't think i would have a a lifelong connection to iron man because there's just not as much there you know but batman is like he's just great i love that like i'm i'm never (laughs) i'm sort of never going more than 24 hours of my life or i have not thought about batman for like 10 to 15 minutes at least yeah just there's always gonna be a point where i'm like you know, it'd be really cool if so-and-so played Batman. Like, you know, I just I randomly just have, like, imaginary Batman movies in my head. Like, what if they let this person do one? What would that look like? Yeah. Um, It's the only part of me that is still... Sometimes I like to roast people who are, like, diehard MCU people who, like, are obsessive about superhero movies. And anytime they see a new movie and there's an actor and they're like, that person would be good to play this character. And I'm always like, can you just not want more for people? <laughs> Every good actor you see d- is not designed to be an Avenger. They have other things yeah. they want to do with their lives. But... As much as I say that, as much as I'm like, oh my god, grow up! I am constantly thinking about people playing Batman. I am constantly like, that guy would be a good Batman. That guy would be a good Two Face. Yeah, and so I don't say it publicly because if I did, every time I thought it, I would look like a madman. Yeah. Um. But I love that character, man. I mean, I love. I think when Robert Pattinson was promoting uh, the Batman, the new one, they were asking him questions about the old movies, trying to get quotes of being like, "Oh, that was dumb" or whatever. And I think he said literally, I don't think there are any bad Batman movies. I think they're all different. I think they do different things. He's like, but Forever is good and Robin is good. Like, they're they're, they're all good. And people are like, oh, okay, based, all right. And he's right. I don't think there's, when I I was like 10, you know, uh, I hated Batman and Robin. I saw it like very late. The only
1: thing went. I've ever seen about Batman and Robin was obviously the nips meme where his, I guess the nips, that's the only <laughs> thing I've ever seen about the movie. Honestly,
0: imagine, imagine being 10 years old and your favorite thing is Batman and you love Batman, you love Batman Returns, even though it's like weird and like fetishy and you don't understand that. Um, And then you, Batman Forever also is kind of weird, but like Jim Carrey's the Riddler. That's cool. You like that. And then you're looking for Batman and Robin because you liked Robin and stuff. And then you watch it and you're like, yo, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Like the movie does not, ten year old me, it's the first thing I ever left and was like angry. Like me, wow. my my best friend his his younger brother went to see it together, and we took like McDonald's after. We're just in this McDonald's, like yo, what the f-? like we would just I, I felt betrayed, you know. Yeah. Um, but watching things as an adult, I'm like, it's fine. It's just campy and weird. It's just like an expensive version of like the Adam West show. You know what I mean? It's just it's just goofy and cartoony, and the nipple stuff is weird, and it, it's you know forever. Forever and Batman and Robin are both like just super gay interpretations of Batman and Joel <laughs> Schumacher was gay um, and I feel like people were just really uncomfortable with them leaning into that stuff because it's always been something that plagued the character you know in the 50s um, uh, Seduction of the Innocent the book that like kind of fucked the comic book industry by being like this is bad vampires are evil whatever Robin's gay Um People have always like just completely shied away from that stuff to kind of be like, no, it's it's not weird that he has a thirteen year old boy hanging out with him dressed like that. It's totally fine and normal. And like, no, it's kind of weird. It is a little bit weird. There's nothing yeah. wrong with exploring that, but I think nobody in 1996 or seven wanted to live in a world where one George Clooney was Batman, yeah. two that he was like that in the movie, and then the three that like the the nipples the nipples was just weird. And I get it from like a. An artistic perspective of like, well, in the fucking comics, they always draw them with like hard ass nipples and stuff. They always draw them kind of in a weird, fetishy way. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, but we're selling toys to children, yeah. you know? Um, But I don't know. For all I know, there's a bunch of queer kids who found themselves during that movie. They were like, hey, you know, Batman's a little gay in this movie. Maybe me too, you know? So that's the hit totally on it. Hey, now I so, and what, how do you feel about like just,
1: Just this kind of like this newfound like weird hate for Batman, where a lot of people now is like, ah, he's just a capitalist, he's fascist, he's a racist. There's a a weird. He he only he only fights regular ass people. He doesn't really. I'm like, guys, like, what? uh, How do you feel about that? I
0: think I think so. It's it's this right. It is completely normal to criticize pop culture and like through like a political like a socio political lens, right? I just think it's weird that people do it with Batman more than anyone because like the people that complain the most about Batman do not seem to have issues with Iron Man, who is not only rich, but got rich by like selling weapons to like governments to murder each other with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, And like, I feel like on some level people think it's okay that he's rich because it's like, oh, well, he funds the Avengers and they have this big, they have a a jet and uh, the building and all this different stuff. And it's like... uh, I feel like it's weirder to me that like Tony Stark is like a capitalist capitalist and he's literally like a like a, a titan of industry he's a businessman. And like Batman's rich because like his dad came from old money and he was like a doctor. He tried to like do charity and stuff, and then he got fucking murdered by like a random criminal or whatever. Yeah. There are elements to Batman that like are adjacent to copaganda. Like, you know, uh the idea being that crime is so bad that you have to there's got to be a guy who does all this extra legal shit, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like all cop movies. There's always some kind of criminal that's like, oh, the good cop can't stop him. Only a cop who breaks the rules and doesn't care about shit can really get this done. You know, that's 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 copaganda. Uh, but every time someone has a critique of Batman that is rooted in, like, why, you know, he's a capitalist. Why doesn't he do charity? All this different stuff. There's one very easy answer to it that no one ever wants to hear, which is then they couldn't make Batman comics. It's just that simple. It's like, what yeah. if he gave all his money away? Then they couldn't make Batman comics. Like, oh, they could do... You could make a Batman story where he doesn't have the money and he does this stuff differently. And it's like, for what? Yeah, this exactly. Is, this, is a, this is a fictional character that one company has been profiting off of for over 100 years. They're probably not going to stop doing that anytime soon. Uh, the character is never going to enter the public domain because, like, you know, Disney and companies make it impossible for that to happen anymore. So your critiques of it's two things to me. One is like people's critiques of Batman are always from people that I know don't give a shit about real life stuff. I'm like, I see you on Twitter making a whole thread about the Batman, but I do not see you making any fucking threads about like anything happening in your local government, anything happening in your municipality or whatever, you know, like, why don't you have some of this energy for the actual fucking rich people who are actually fucking ruining your life? Not Batman, who is literally not fucking real. Um, Grant Morrison in uh, their book Super Gods has a line about how children understand superhero comics because like they're not real, like they're like they're they're fantasy. And then adults try to pick them apart and like, oh, it's really this or it's this or it's this. And like one of the key questions is like, you know, who who works on the Batmobile? Like who refills the gas? Who fixes the tires? All these questions. And Grant's answer was nobody. It's not yeah. real. What the fuck are you talking about? Why would you care? You know, a kid can look at this and be like, Batman fights crime and he does this and he does that. And like, you're going to come in and be like, OK, but then who how does he have Internet in the cave? Like, who 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 set up the fiber for that? You know what I mean? Like, is he what, what, what kind of what kind of VPN does Batman use? Yo, I don't care. Why are you bringing this up? What is it's, wrong with your brain? It's not real life. <laughs> yeah, You know, and um, I think I think it's OK to be like, I'm over Batman or I don't like Batman or like I'm not a child anymore. That's fine to me. That's normal. But people who are like, no, I do care about Batman, but they have to make Batman more socially progressive. I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> they they don't have to. I don't every time someone has done a story, even kind of like here's the truth about superhero comics in general. Anything that's like drastically a change to a character, it's not gonna last anyway. Mm-hmm. So when people say things like, why don't they just change this? Like, well, they're, it's they're gonna change it for a year and a half. Six to 18 months is the longest uh, a change will happen to a corporate-owned superhero character. At some point, there'll be a new video game or movie tie-in or something, and they'll go, uh, we can't have synergy if, you know, like, it's, it's why Peter Parker doesn't change much. Like, okay, if there's a new game coming out, and in the game Peter Parker's like this, he can't be going through a divorce. Yeah. Maybe at the time that was a cool story to explore Peter Parker having a divorce, but now people want fucking regular Peter Parker. So him and Mary Jane are back together he's broke he's this whatever you know you can never change the status quo because it has to return to, to basics so while i think it is cool to want more or different stuff from your comics i also think you should just go read other things do you know what i mean like the people who are very staunchly the like, why isn't spider-man like this like it's owned by a fucking publisher that's owned by disney they're not going to change those things yeah go read some other creator-owned book where there's just a guy and he can do whatever he wants, or a woman or whatever, you know? Yeah. But they don't want to do that. They don't actually want to go support alternatives, you know?
1: Yeah, no, uh, I, I completely get where you're coming from with that, especially when it comes to Batman. I'm just tired of the whole, that, just that whole thing where it's like, oh, Batman is just this evil guy who just, who, 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 who uses his right privilege for the wrong reasons, and it's like, I don't... I don't... It's, it's
0: particularly funny too because, like, uh, if you read like even like kind of shitty Batman comics, there is always bits about like him doing things. Do you know what I mean? Like like why, why doesn't he help the homeless? Like, he does. He just also has to fight the fucking guy who turns into clay. He also has to fight the guy who thinks he's in Alice in Wonderland. Unfortunately these other things are also happening. And that's and another,
1: like, that's another thing. If people say that, oh, the villains are not, they're not good enough. Why, they're just regular ass people. And I'm like, what are you talking about?
0: <laughs> most of them are murderers. Like they're, like yeah. they're, 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 I mean, I think the thing that's funny about Batman is that all of his villains are like mentally unwell for the most part, because like, so is he, you know? He's essentially fighting. It's like, to me, most good Batman stories kind of deal with the fact that like, every person he fights is like someone who had some kind of adversity and they cracked in a in this way like they cracked in like oh now i have to flip a coin to to because my morality is broken oh i have Mm -hmm. to i think everything's a joke i you know i made out of clay whatever um and you know batman's break was like i have to save the world or whatever you know what i mean like they're always kind of diametrically opposed so that's always fascinating to me but at the same time it's like uh they're, they're, they're again. They're not, they're not real. Like not I think it's people. okay to, I think it's okay to to analyze stuff and the stories themselves and treat it like t- treat it like regular literature. But when you get down to the point of complaining about, I don't know. I had a friend, uh, an old roommate of mine, who also liked comics, but I hated talking comics with him. And the reason was because I like comics because I like stories and characters. You know, I don't just like superpowers or whatever. And he only ever wanted to talk about who would win a fight, this person or this person, and I'm like, it's not real. Like, there no those characters are never going to meet. You know, he would be like, well, who would win, Superman or the Hulk? And I'm like, whose book is it in? When's it being? Who's publishing it? And why are you asking? I'm like, because that determines who would win. There okay. are outside market forces. These these are not real people that we can put into like an unreal engine and just watch. You know, like code it out to see who would win. It's like they're they're fictional entities. So. A lot of things that people who like comics care about, I just don't care about. So like what you're describing, like these like things you see online, like Batman's too OP and people, this, I'm like, I don't, I do not fucking care. Reading Batman comics makes me feel good. I don't care. I'm just, I'm very good at it. Yeah. um, And so before we get off this Batman topic, you were talking
1: about how sometimes you think in your head about who should be casted to play Batman one day. So if you had to pick an actor, I know you say you didn't want to do this publicly, but I'm going to make you do it publicly. Just one, just one actor. If you had to pick one actor, past or present, to be casted as Batman, or who should have been casted as Batman, who would it be and why?
0: So I happen to be very good with Robert Pattinson right now. I think he's one of the best Batman ever, right? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. uh, I had a thought a bit ago about someone I thought would be perfect as Batman. And I thought about it constantly for like a while. Um, and I'm, now that I'm kind of reasonably certain, it's never going to happen. Like I, I never wanted to say publicly before, because there's a part of my brain that was like, what happens if I end up hanging out with David Zaslov and they need someone to write a new Batman movie? And I'm like, Hey, I got this. I, I don't know. Like it's whatever, but I know it's not going to happen. So the person that I was obsessed with filming Batman was Adam Driver. Um, Adam Driver. Because Adam Driver is, he's like really tall. he's like a big guy. He has great presence which not a lot of... That's not a thing you can really train an actor to have. Yeah. Uh, We've already seen him, you know, essentially dressed in all black, kind of as Kylo Ren. Um, he's a genuinely good dramatic actor. And he... um, He has range. You know what I mean? And, like, he's someone who... I think he would be able to do the physicality stuff. I'm sure they could teach him all the fucking Krav Maga or whatever. Um, and he's just... He's fucking huge. And he also just looks... Fu- I don't, I don't mean Andrew Driver's ugly. I mean, he's a very handsome man. I just mean, like, he just looks fucked up in the sense of, like, looks, like, not okay. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, sometimes people want people to play Batman, and I'm like, that person looks okay. Like, people really want Jensen Ackles to be Batman. I'm like, no, he looks fine. Jensen Ackles is a guy that, like, I it, I don't know if he's ever known depression. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it, it, it does It's not, but I'm saying some people, you look at them, you know, it's how people talk about certain actors can't be in period pieces. Yeah. If, if it takes place in the 1500s. That person looks like they've used an iPhone before. You're like, eh, no, you don't look like you were around then. You, you don't, you, you don't, you don't look it. That's how I feel about most people that people want to be Batman is like, that guy seems fine. He seems like he's okay. That was George Clooney's problem. Val Kilmer, a little bit weird. Michael Keaton, a little bit weird. Adam West, a little bit weird. All the people who play Batman who are good, a little bit off. George Clooney just looks fine. Yeah, you were perfect, bro. (laughs) You literally made a thing in that movie that like he's not, he's over his parents' death. It's like if he was over his parents' death, he'd stop fucking being Batman. You know, so like Adam Driver to me looks like a guy who the thing that sucks though is I also had a really good one for Alfred. It was like a specific combo of the two of them, but now I don't remember who the Alfred was. But that was like my thing, is I just kept seeing scenes throughout my day. Of Adam Driver Batman, like shirtless in the cave or whatever, with like all the tape, like the DDP rib tape. <laughs> and um with the tape around his
1: ribs. Oh my yeah, god. And,
0: and, and, and a perfect at a perfect Alfred and just like their interactions and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this is just never gonna happen. But I think he'd be great. Um he's one of the like two or three best actors, I think, of our generation. I think, you know, he
1: mm.
0: um I think he's I think the Star Wars experience probably made him be like, well, I'm not gonna do one of those. Yeah. I'm just going to be a real guy now, but if he ever ends up in a situation where his agent's like, you got to play one of these fucking cape people to stay relevant, he'll be like, oh, I could probably do Batman.
1: Okay. I'm not, you know, it's funny because like, I know a lot of people give Adam Driver praise for being such a uh, great actor. I've only, I think I've only seen him in Black Clansman, which he's good in as well, honestly. Um, but I've never, uh, I know people was hyping up a marriage story. I just wasn't i couldn't i couldn't do it i i I seen the means with the arguments and stuff i was like i'm not sure but like that's
0: a thing like mirror story is a very good movie to me I, i liked it quite a bit but it's one of those things where like the type of acting that people tend to uh love in movies is always like very showy very like over the top like there's a there's like a uh, like a, a it's like a TikTok thing. You used to see a lot where people put together their favorite performances in movies, and it's always the same seven performances. It's always Daniel uh, Daniel Day Lewis in There Will Be Blood. Mm. It's always uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in that movie where he, I think it's stronger. There's just a scene where he's in a car with someone yelling about how like you know he showed up for her and she wasn't there for him or whatever. I've never seen that movie, but it's a scene of him just screaming. Mm. And, or it'll be Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler, the one scene where he's like shaking the mirror. Oh. okay um, And then it'll be, you know, uh, sometimes it's Hugh Jackman uh, putting a hammer to the uh, sink in Prisoners. It's just a bunch of moments that are like the most obvious performances ever. Do you know what I mean? In many cases, there are moments from good performances, but they're just showing the the loudest, the most animated or whatever. And people who say Adam Driver is good always show him screaming in Marriage Story. And like that scene in context in the context of the movie it plays well like in the flow of the film but if you just watch it out of context it's just two people just kind of cartoonishly screaming they both him and scar joe both have moments in that movie that are so much more affecting that are quiet that are just silent there are no words but no one shares that do you know what i mean uh he's really good in ferrari too like which I, i saw today yeah um penelope cruz really 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 good in yeah
1: i heard she i heard she was i, I saw the trailer I, when i saw her pull out the blicky i said hold on penelope
0: bro she is if if lily gladstone uh was not in killers of the flower moon this year if killers of the flower moon did not come out because um, i think her performance in that is the best performance of the entire year mm. if that did not come out penelope cruz would have this oscar like in the bag as far as i'm concerned like she is so good and a lot of the best, I mean, there are parts where they're yelling at each other and then there are screaming marriage story scenes. But the best parts are just like her and you're watching her face process that stuff. You're seeing her go through different emotions. Like I like, I like, I like, shit like that with acting. Um, A lot of times people are just like, you can tell this is really good acting. Why? Because his face, he's like doing all this stuff. And I'm like, that's not fucking whatever <laughs>
1: <laughs> nah uh but i definitely need to check out more of his work adam driver uh definitely gonna see ferrari uh i was kind of a little thrown off just because i was like okay we just got four versus ferrari so i was thinking like oh is this like another that but when i saw the trailer i was like oh it's not that yeah they're
0: like nothing alike they're nothing um, like ford ferrari is a pretty good movie but it's like such a it's like a white dad movie yeah if, if that makes sense like um you know i run a movie theater as my day job and like there's just certain movies where i'm like i know when we get this i'm gonna see a whole bunch of white dads and it's just these guys that come in they got the white shirt tucked into the ugly jeans and their new yep. balances and they're just like i'll take three for four ferrari you like, of course he fucking will
1: yeah of course Um, uh, so like i say as you grow you you know you're watching movies for the love of it you know so what was that moment you realized that you wanted to become a film critic like was there a moment or is this more so like it just kind of happened how did that go about
0: so in my younger days like in the early like i don't know like in 2006 7 8 um i wrote i had like a blog i wrote stuff on like a like a blog spot blog like a shitty blog i'm, I'm it's one of those things i hope no one ever finds um it's just not good yeah. And uh, I would write about music. I would write about um, comics, just whatever. I would write about anything. Because at the time, I read a lot of magazines. Um, I read a lot of stuff like that. And I liked I liked writing about stuff. Uh, and then around 2013, some friends of mine had a site called Deadshirt, And one of my friends was like, hey, like we're looking for people to write just reviews of stuff if you want to help. There's no money, but it's like we're having fun. And I started writing for them and I did some music stuff. And I think the first movie review I wrote for them was um, I had gone to an early screening of At World's End, the Edgar Wright movie, hmm. uh, just because there was like, I don't know, like a radio was promoting it. And there was like a scavenger hunt and all this different stuff. And we got to go early and uh, Edgar Wright, uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg were there. So I got to see the movie early. So I wrote a review for them. And then after that, I just did a bunch of stuff. I wrote music reviews for them, television I wrote wrestling for them for a while I had like a column where i explained wrestling to like nerds that want to get into it but don't and um uh somewhere along the way i i liked doing it and i still was silly enough to think that i could be like a professional music critic like i that's kind of what i like doing more um but i did not have very much luck branching out in that way with music it's just, I, I discovered as much as i like music i don't i did not like writing about it really uh And I I was so I used to be so obsessed with music criticism, like the way people could get things across writing about songs. I liked trying to figure out how to do that. Like it was a fun, creative thing. But the more I did it, the more I was like, this is just not my thing. I just I don't think I have the knowledge base. I also as I got a little bit older, I realized I'm not going to be able to, to stay current the way a really good music writer should. There's so much stuff that I know I should listen to but I'm starting to get washed and I know I sh- I'm just not gonna. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I'm never going to get tired of movies. So I started finally getting paid to write a few different places um, and I started taking it more seriously because I realized, well, I know of the things that I write about. I know the most about movies. Like I know a lot about wrestling and a lot about comics, but in terms of movies, it's like the one thing I know for sure. Like I feel really comfortable about this uh so i started pivoting more specifically to movies uh and then i started writing enough to where i was writing so many reviews per year at different places and stuff that like you just kind of get it just becomes kind of natural i don't know how else to describe it i mean like i did i never thought it would be like my main thing for the rest of my life like i still kind of don't i don't know how much longer i'm gonna do it necessarily but for a while it just felt like it felt right. It's like, actually, I think the only way I can describe it is it felt right. I would get paid to do it sometimes. I like watching movies. I'm going to write some dumb shit about it on Letterboxd anyway. Yeah. If I write some dumb shit for you and you hand me money, that's even cooler. If I get to see stuff early, that's cool. You know, that was the main thing. I was like, this is fun, you know? I'll review some. I mean, the only part is that to get better, to get, like, good, or to the point that I'm, like, on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that, I had a few years where I had to, I had to review a lot of really bad movies. Um, i was writing for this site uh, spectrum culture and it was like for free but like uh, the editors they were really good and i felt like it really improved me as a writer um and also i just like to see free free stuff you know was like i'll see free movies um but i couldn't only watch the cool stuff do you know what i mean like if you're a movie critic there are people in, in like you know in the dc area where i live there are critics who uh you only ever see at screenings for marvel movies do you know what i mean like they they, they only cover yeah dumb stuff you know yeah. so like if you're going to, to the the marvels you're gonna see these handful of guys that you never see the rest of the year you know and i've never wanted to be that type of person because it's very limiting first of all yeah uh and second of all it's, I, I just i don't like it i hate it i actually hate <laughs> the, the fandom film critic i hate that archetype yeah but i could not just watch whatever i wanted i would have to take different because it's like if you're going to be one of our critics there's going to be a month where no good movies come out we're still gonna put out reviews so for a while i had a bit of a reputation at that site as being the guy who will watch anything i'll watch whatever i'll go to a screening you send me a shitty you know screener link i will watch i watched some of the worst fucking movies in my life uh writing at spectrum Mm. but um it taught me uh a lot about about just the medium, I guess. I don't know. I always tell people who want to make movies or want to write write movies or whatever, that if you hyperfixate on what is great, what is canon, what is like tier zero, what's the best stuff, um, you're not gonna learn a ton. Cause you're I mean, you know, if you only watch like the the IMDB top two fifty or whatever, you're gonna watch a lot of great movies, you're gonna like them a lot, and the only thing you're really gonna learn is how to imitate them. Mm. That's how most people start, that you start imitating someone else until you find your voice and i always tell people you need to watch more garbage <laughs> you need to watch more no no because it's like it's, it's it's twofold if you're an inspiring filmmaker you need to watch more shit just to remind you how many people can get a movie made yeah you know what i mean if you only watch apocalypse now you're gonna be like i'm never gonna be francis Marco. coppola and it's like you're right you're never gonna be francis Ford coppola yeah. but if you watch clown town you know you might be it's a it's a horror movie i had a review once i'm gonna say this
1: sexy red made this clown
0: (laughs) clown town came out i don't know like seven seven years ago maybe it's a really bad movie uh i wrote a really nasty review of it and i felt very guilty because uh the guy who directed it liked it on letterboxd and i was like oh shit he saw that (laughs) after that after that review i stopped i stopped stopped being as mean if i didn't like something because i was like you know what someone put work into this even if they failed yeah but you know if you watch bad movies it, it it emboldens you to be like well shit if that fucking guy got got this made i could make a movie which is good and then i tell people to watch more mediocre movies watch stuff that's not great but it's not bad and then try to figure out what you didn't like about it and what you do differently and then that will help you figure out what you like what your instincts are and stuff do you know what i mean like you're going to learn more Taking something that doesn't work and trying to figure out why, then you will being like, How do I replicate fucking psycho? What a great movie! Like Psycho's only gonna teach you, but so much. Yeah. you know, watch watch frenzy, watch one of the Hitchcock movies that doesn't fully work. You know what I mean? Watch, watch the stuff that's not quite not quite there. Um, I think it's really, really instructive. But yeah, I, I watched so many bad movies, and there's over time I did enough to like I got into Wafka, which is like the DC. Area Film Critics Association. So I got I started getting like screeners every year. You know, like voting in the Guild Awards, and I got uh, uh, Tomato Meter approved on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that. So around once those things started happening, I was like, I guess I'm just doing this. Then I guess this is like once you reach a certain level and people seem to care about what you have to say, you feel more emboldened to say more stuff. When you first start out, this is the big thing about anything creative online, any content, whether you. Or a podcast or YouTube or whatever. When you first start out, there's a big part of you that's like, I know nobody gives a shit about this. You know what I mean? When you hit publish, you're like, oh, we'll see. You know, it, like, I yeah. don't know, you know? And um, it can be really uh, disheartening, obviously, because you're like, yo, sometimes you spend a lot of time on something mm-hmm. and then you put it out and people don't like it. And you're like, what the fuck was that for? You know? And I'm very lucky in that I reached a point where I felt like, you know, I, not to quit my day job or anything like that but i feel like i have enough people who value what i say i've been consistent i feel like i've I've cultivated um some credibility i guess you know what i mean like i can kind of keep going um now if one day i wake up and i start to notice that like no one's watching no one's listening people are just like shut the fuck up <laughs> then i might be like all right maybe i gotta do something else you know um yeah. but for now it's been it's been good mostly like i i'm i'm, I'm 10 years in the game now it's been 10 yeah. years since I got my first my first pay, like check for writing a movie review. Wow. And um Congrats yeah, on that, like, man. fucking 10 years. Like, yeah, this is cool. I like it.
1: Yeah. And speaking of, you were just talking about uh the blog site that you hope nobody founds. But luckily for me, I found it. Are we talking about
0: deadshirt.net? Were you? Oh writing? no, that's okay. That's that's the site that I started writing for. That's oh, fine. okay. That's anyone not, that so finds, that's not the one. Anything people find on, I I mostly stand by. I, I mean, it's stuff that I wrote 10 years ago. Uh some of some of it's gonna be a little cringy. Um, but I am mostly proud of the work that I did there. I um uh I worked with a lot of really cool guys there, like a lot of people who've gone on to do other really cool things. Uh there's probably a couple of things I've written on there that I wouldn't stand by now. Or I, I change. I change my mind on yeah. stuff a lot. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I never, I almost never use star ratings on letterboxd. Cause mm-hmm. like, you're supposed to be saying like, I think this is three and a half stars. And I'm like, I don't know. If I'm always going to think that, you know, I don't know that I'm always going to, to, to have that opinions. I I don't like, I don't like doing star ratings, but some of those movie reviews, maybe, maybe some of the album reviews too, or whatever um but that stuff's fine i had this other this other blog spot thing i want to say that a few years ago i found it and deleted it and i hope uh, I did. I okay but it had That's some fair. it had a lot of you know how i was saying you know like well, once you get an audience you feel a little more emboldened and stuff mm-hmm. having having zero audience can also be bad because there is no sense of like shame there's no sense of someone's gonna think this is stupid someone's gonna yeah. think this is weird so I could just like this is whatever. This is just what I think. This is how I feel. And uh yeah. Kind of yeah, yeah. Well, never
1: mind then. Well, let's 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 thank God that I had I did not find it. Um, but what's it called? You used to also talk about, you know, being a uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh certified, right? Correct? Mm-hmm. So I remember when I used to start I was like using Rotten Tomatoes heavy like many years ago. Because, you know, I was always looking for films and I was like, OK, anything that's above 70 percent, I think it's a good movie. Right. So like that was back then when like Rotten Tomatoes, like you you would normally not even see like, you know, when, when nowadays you see a movie trailer or a commercial on TV, they'd be like, it got 100 percent of Rotten Tomatoes. It's like, oh, my God. Right. Back then, that wasn't a thing. So like it was still it was still at that time. So. Uh, nowadays it's just like yeah every film is like hundred percent. I'm like okay so what is good and what is bad because every every film not could just be hundred percent. So like how how do you even identify what is a good movie and what's not good then?
0: Some I mean I am on Rotten Tomatoes and I mainly am proud of that just because it like gives me legitimacy to some people. Um, but I hate review aggregators in the sense that if you read a lot of criticism you you discover that, like, those numbers are, like, meaningless, sort of. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of movies that have high RT scores, and if you drill in and read all the individual reviews, you know, some reviews are, like, barely positive. Do you know what I mean? Some yeah. some reviews are just like, this is fine. And it, it, when you log these reviews, it only gives you two options. to You either hit the tomato or the splat like rot- fresh or rotten yeah. recommend or don't recommend. And I sometimes have a hard time with that because there's times where I'm like, technically this movie is worse than another movie that I, I splatted, but this is a movie that I would tell people to watch. Like I do think it's, it's, it's a value. Uh, so like sometimes I'm like, eh. my, my, every time I do it, I'm like, someone's going to see this and they're going to be like, you give a splat to this, but not my favorite movie. Yeah. Uh so sometimes but I always have to, I'm always in the moment like, all right, let's be real. What do I how do I do I feel splatty on this one? Do I feel do I feel ripe tomato? You know? Mm-hmm. But that's a binary. And no movie is just those two things. And that is, I think, the biggest thing wrong with aggregators is like it's not always I don't I don't I don't I think the best thing to do, here's here's how I feel like film criticism. I don't go by rotten tomatoes ratings. Uh, because there's a bunch of movies I love that I have like 60 you know what I mean like it isn't it's meaningless I like actually reading criticism I actually like reading movie reviews uh, so I have like 10 or so uh, critics who whose work I really like for one way, one way or another and I just kind of go check out and see what they said about stuff and sometimes some of those critics aren't even critics that I agree with a lot like there's critics whose work I dig we never agree. So if I see them go, oh, I fucking hate this. I'm like, I'm going to love it. You know what I mean? Because I know that person hates the stuff I like. Um, I try to use critics as just like sort of like a light guidance, if, if anything. You know what I mean? Like uh, there's certain people like, like p- film people I know on Twitter or whatever where if I see them praising something, I'm like, I'm never going to fucking watch that because I just, I, just I, I hate their taste stuff that they like. I'm like, they're just dumb, you know, nothing against them personally. I just know I'm not going to like it i think that's better than just trusting the number i I did a video uh a couple of years ago about um this really shitty conservative movie that ben shapiro put out called uh run hide fight it was called run hide fight it was about like a school shooting it's like a school it's like anything (laughs) (laughs) i was I, I i did this for youtube i had um it's actually kind of funny. I, I just switched to editing on Final Cut for the first time. Mm. And I was trying to like teach myself. I used DaVinci Resolve before. And I was trying to teach myself the differences. And I was like, I, I because I'm not really fully trained, I only know how to do like what I, what I do. So I was like, I can't figure this out by testing and watching tutorials. I just have to go make a video and figure it out myself. So I was like, at the time, nothing new was really out. And I'd seen this movie came out. I figured it would suck. And I was like, I'll just make a short video about this and and whatever. And then it helped me figure out Final Cut very quickly, actually, which is nice. But then I put the video out and then it like blew up. But for, for me it didn't. It wasn't like millions or something like that, but it got yeah. a lot of views at the time. And it blew up, and I didn't find out until later that uh I was one of the only critics who reviewed it on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. So it was like me and like 10 people, maybe. And uh all the other people that wrote for their publications had seen it like at festivals and stuff like earlier in the year uh i was the only person when you you clicked on my review it went right to my fucking face so all the conservative people who were review bombing you know like who were like you know this is actually a great movie they all came for me and like two or three months my phone would just be like you have a youtube comment cuck you know like and people people, (laughs) people were really terrible but what I did, uh, because I'm weird, is I, like, earnestly engaged with every single comment, no matter how crazy it was. Uh, and part of it was, the more it went on, I discovered that most of these people who, like Ben Shapiro, uh, felt like film criticism was objective, not subjective. So, like, it's like, if you don't like a movie that I like, you're wrong. And It's like, that's not, that's not how opinions work yeah so I, I i it was almost like a little like social study for me trying to figure out like what do you what one why did you click on this because they were like the critics are wrong they don't know anything i'm like then why did you watch this like i'm like every thumbs down you give me give me power it's literally the video that got me monetized on youtube yeah within three days like it got me over the hump you know so i was like you guys are not hurting me you're helping me but one of the things i said was that's how i feel about it. i am like who's a critic you like who's someone you do agree with who's someone that you think Who's like your favorite film critic? And they'd be like, well, I don't have one. And I was like, then what the fuck do you like? What do you care? You know, yeah. I discovered a lot of those people think that film critics are scientists. And then you go to a movie and you get your your beakers out and you pour liquid and then you come back and go fresh or rotten. And that um that's like all that matters. And I was like, no, it's if you're just going off of numbers, this is not a math problem. It's art. Like I, I consider even like bad movies, it, 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 it's art. That's what you're you're, you're critiquing. So I always uh, try to encourage people to get into something that has a voice. Get into something that has some perspective. Um, don't just look for star ratings. Don't just look for up and thumbs up or thumbs down. Because even when you know Ebert and uh, and Siskel popularized the thumbs up, thumbs down thing, right? And when you watch that stuff, even though they always end on the thumbs up or thumbs down the thing that makes you feel whatever is what they say before they give the thumbs up or thumbs down you know what i mean like that part is still important nowadays people just skip ahead to the this or that i've had friends hit me up when i put out a new video to be like was it good or not and i'm like motherfucker I, i just made this whole thing with my feelings about it i guess if you don't have five minutes for that yeah i thought it was good you know what i mean yeah um and i i just i always just kind of encourage people to not blindly follow fucking any critic i've had a few times i've really championed a movie and then people people have been like why did you make me watch that i hated it and i'm like well for one you're an adult yeah that you did this and second of all we have different opinions you know it's different
1: yeah no it's different so you know as you've um grown as a Writer and as a film critic right you write for the you write for looper and for the baltimore Beat. like what's a review you've written that has sparked the most interesting discussions or feedback from your audience
0: so i would say well i would say that 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 run hide and fight video definitely definitely sparked some great discussion yeah um most of so most of my stuff uh i get very I used to think that I wasn't any good at what I did because no one ever got riled up. I never got people worked up. And I always thought like, does, it's like, does no one care? Why don't I have haters? Why, do, <laughs> why isn't there anyone who fucking hates my guts? I, I thought that meant that I was too tepid or something. I wasn't, I didn't have strong enough opinions if I wasn't pissing anybody off. Um, And then a, a female writer, friend of mine was like, you should be really grateful that you don't have people that hate you and like send you death threats. I was like, okay, that's true. That's yeah. that's a privileged thing that I'm coming from here. But the few times I've written something that was actually like incendiary, I'll say, um, it was the run head fight video. Got a lot of, lot of, lot of crazy hate on that one. The same week I had reviewed this movie, American Skin, that I hate. It's one of my least favorite movies I've ever made. Oh,
1: American Skin! Well that? It's, it's,
0: it's from the, it's from Nate Parker, the guy that made Nate Birth Parker.
1: Yes. Oh my yeah. god! I didn't even want to watch that film.
0: I hate that movie. It's so bad. And i had that in the run hide fight video at the same time so the run hide fight video i had a bunch of conservatives calling me a cuck and a liberal and i bet you want to fuck joe biden and all this stuff and then the american skin video i had a bunch of people calling me an uncle tom yeah. saying i was trying to tear this black man down Saying i don't want to see black people succeed mm-hmm. um one of the comments literally said i know this motherfucker likes mayo on his sandwiches and i was like i'm having my entire blackness called in a question. Your black car's is being, yeah. being
1: revoked because is being
0: revoked in 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 defense of Nate Parker. I was like, okay. So like most of the time, and alleged rapist, by the way, <laughs> you know, they don't believe that shit, right? They're like, yeah, that's all, that's all lies. Um, So a lot of times that I've written something that has I don't, I, I don't think I've written many things that have delivered good interesting discussions or whatever. I mostly get people going, hmm, that's cool. Or, that's interesting. I get like p- kind of polite nods. Anytime I do strike a nerve, it's always someone like wanting to kill me. It's always like, um, the, the, I've actually had the the anti black thing happen a lot. Um, and I've discovered that in the last like five or ten years, I feel like people have been so hungry for representation that I think a lot of people will just champion anything, in anything
1: made because for a us. black person made it right.
0: And it took me a while to notice this because I, I always get these fucking. I realized like 90% of black media that I review, I ended up reviewing negatively. And that's not because I don't want to see things made by uh, us. It's not that it's that a lot of the uses that get to make these things fucking suck. And I refuse to like sugarcoat that because I'm like, look, every year Hollywood is only going to give a handful of black people a chance. Mm-hmm. And if I gas up somebody who's mediocre, or who sucks they'll keep getting more chances and then other actually talented people will not. So like if I see a movie by a black filmmaker and I think they suck and I think that their movie is garbage, I'm going to say, I think they suck and the movie is garbage. And then the comments will be like, why don't you want us to see us succeed? And I, I want to see us, the the larger plural us succeed this fucking person. I don't want to see succeed. I'm Maybe I am a hater. You know what I mean? I just don't care.
1: I think, and it's weird because like, then the other thing is like, well, white people make mediocre movies all the time. Why aren't black people allowed to make mediocre movies? And it's like, it's like we, we why would you want are. that for? I mean, why would you want that for us too? By the way,
0: I, I would say it's like okay, but like if some random white dude makes a shitty movie, he's not really stopping another random white dude from getting a movie made. You know what I mean? There's not like a finite budget for those guys. So um, I will say I think one of the greatest things to happen to to black people in film. Is that uh Ava DuVernay made a wrinkle in time for Disney. Mm -hmm. That movie had a humongous budget, it had a fucking Oprah in it. It flopped hard. Flopped hard and critically too. Like bad reviews, no money, Disney. And it did not, she's not like in director jail. She's still attached to projects. Like she can still work. And I was like, that's the best thing that's happened to a black filmmaker ever. Is that like in a woman? Because like historically, if you're a woman and you make like a you fuck up a movie, that's it for you. Like, yeah. Uh, um uh Karen Kasama, who directed uh The Invitation relatively recently and a few other horror movies. She directed
1: The Invitation?
0: The uh, Yeah. Get the yeah, fuck uh, out of here. That movie's fire. Um before that movie, the last movie I think she directed, the last two movies she directed, were Aeon Flux and Jennifer's Body. Oh, Both
1: Jennifer. of those
0: movies, Jennifer's Body's really good, but Aeon Flux flopped. Yeah. She could not get work for years because of it you know mm-hmm. what i mean like if you're a woman in this business and you you know you make a mistake it's like well i guess women can't hold cameras you know like that's it for your career so the fact that like i was like oh a black woman made this movie and it's garbage she cost disney a quarter billion dollars and everyone's still cool with her that's progress like that's real progress you know yeah yeah no
1: for sure no i i, I definitely agree with what you're saying what, a, what you know it's funny one movie that that pissed me off really that one black movie that really pissed me off that i had my arms folded when the movie ended like i was just like and my girl can tell you too like i had my arms like this like are we fucking serious queen slim had my arms fucking folded i was so pissed when i saw that movie i was like why was this even made why was this even made Like Again,
0: at at the time, Lena Waithe was one of those four acknowledged Black people in Hollywood. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was like, if if we all collectively acted like William Slim was great, she would have kept – she hasn't had a movie since – she would have kept having movies. You know what I mean? Like, on on some level, you have to kind of, like, gatekeep with your dollars, right? Like, you kind of have to say, I don't like this. I don't want more. Because if you go see something that sucks – or you go see something ironically or whatever, if you're paying for it, you're they don't know the, the box office numbers aren't like this is 20 million irony dollars. These are just JK, JK Raffle dollars. They're not real. It doesn't matter. It's just it's just money. They're gonna hear that and go, all right, cool. We need to make nine more. So yeah. um I'm I'm really big on you know, withholding what little power you have in the marketplace.
1: Yeah, I was I was just like, man, I hope they don't. Kill daniel kaluuya for being this film man but luckily he's so fucking good it didn't really yeah, he's, matter. he's
0: bulletproof he's fine yeah
1: he's fine but yeah i would say for people like yo go see they clone tyrone you know what i'm saying really good movie, Yeah, really good movie go see uh go see like there's a lot of amazing black films that have came out in recent years like i would say even like the five bloods i love the five bloods i thought really i was a good yeah. movie i love it uh there's so many others i mean us i thought was great i feel like people would sleep on us i'm uh, not us um nope that
0: too nope was I think really really good people yeah. would
1: sleep on nope so like uh i would say judas and the black messiah was good too you know what i'm saying like great um uh, yeah there's a bunch of um amazing black films that have came out in recent years and i feel like you know it's funny i was talking to one of my friends a while ago about how like i would say like there's this this like there was like this certain resurgence of like black film and television in recent Mm -hmm. years. Right. I felt like at one point it was like Tyler Perry, just dominating like every, every angle where it came to film and television. And then, you know, for better or for worse, you had people like Donald Glover, you had people like Issa Rae making these great shows and, you know, obviously blackish was a thing as well. And then, you know, you have many black films that came afterwards where, you know, obviously black Panther, you had, uh, there's some other movies that came out that just really like, Made people realize that, oh, like there is like a sense of Black Hollywood, like resurgence coming up. And, you know, you have Black directors and filmmakers and, you know, amazing actors. So, so like, I feel like these last couple of years has been definitely good, you know, when it comes to like sh- portraying like more than just one stereotype or just more than yeah. one character when it comes to like Black films. Cause it's only like for a certain years, like, in the '90s, it was all like boys in the hood, Menace of Society, and maybe some like black comedies from Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence, and that's the best that you get. Then you go in the 2000s, it's like all Tyler Perry. Now you get to every, every movie. Every movie was all, any black movie, it was basically Tyler Perry. Then you get more of these films where it's like, okay, they're showing it's more there's more range in the characters, like Moonlight. Oh my God, Moonlight. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, like those were the. I feel like those certain movies and TV shows were like really kind of what started this like i guess a black hollywood renaissance that we're still currently in you know
0: yeah it really just becomes like you know get out made a lot of money black panther made a lot oh of money. get out too one oh stuff, my god get out This stuff if something makes a lot of money they'll make more that's that's mostly what it is mm. and there's always been these things of like uh studios will think like oh well, black people don't draw overseas you know because other countries don't want to see them and stuff yeah and like it just depends on the movie you know i mean like i mean in general good movies tend to you know if you make a good movie it'll connect with people one way or the other it might not connect immediately at the box office maybe it'll take on more life once it's streaming or something but very rarely is something really good that doesn't connect ultimately sometimes stuff just isn't for the right time or it's ahead of its time but um we do happen to be in an era where there are more more talented black people making things and being allowed to make things i just think that we've started to get in this zone of like a lot of new original streaming content would be like all right let's make some black stuff for Juneteenths banner let's just put some black faces on the thumbnails and some of those movies you're just like yo this is garbage this is so bad yeah but, like people being like well i gotta support my people i'm like yeah you, there's a limit
1: Yeah, there's a limit because it's like I, I want i want it to be a good one you know what i'm saying like like, for example, I just... I mean, I don't know how you feel about Equalizer. I just saw the Equalizer 3. I thought the movie was good. You know what oh, i I haven't like, seen the
0: third one yet. I like the first two. I mean, yeah, it's hard to fuck up just Denzel killing people. I feel yeah. like that's a very, very simple value proposition there.
1: Yeah, and it's made by... I forgot his name, but he... he, he Antoine
0: made, Fuqua. Yeah, he
1: made Dope, which uh, I know people... Some people are you, I like no, no, Dope.
0: No, no, no. Dope is Rick Famuyiwa. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Antoine guy. Fuqua did the other two Equalizers... He did the remake of Magnificent Seven. Oh yeah, he um, did. He did. For the he's essentially Fuqua is one of the most like, successful black filmmakers of all time. Mm-hmm. He's made a lot of movies that make money, uh, but he's not someone that people like respect artistically. Yeah, you know what I mean, like he's had more hits than Spike Lee, but he, people do not consider him on the level of a Spike Lee. Exactly. Um, but he's he's made some good stuff. He, Tra- uh, he made
1: Training Day. You know, what I'm saying yeah, Training Day. That's like the number
0: one thing people like for him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Nah, so like, there's a plenty, you know what I'm saying? Like, so no, nah, but I absolutely agree with what you're saying. Um, so, let's talk about the Armchair Autour, you know, which is your amazing YouTube channel. It mm-hmm. covers a ride, of course. Like, come on, man. It's amazing. Anyone that has obviously everybody has YouTube. Go check out the Armchair Autour. His reviews are second to none. Uh it covers a wide range of movies, both old and new and many more other things that you cover on the channel. Is there a classic film that you believe holds particular relevance or resonance in today's cinematic landscape?
0: Oh yeah. Uh my favorite old movie to recommend to people uh, is uh, it's a movie. I made a video about it a while ago that like nobody watched. Anytime I made a movie about a video about a movie from before like 1970, it's like that's not getting views. Yeah. Um, but uh, the movie is called Sweet Smell of Success. It's hmm. from uh, I want to say like 1957, maybe. Jesus it is Christ. A, you got me to go is back. A movie. <laughs> it's it, I'll say this. It's one of the few older movies that feels very modern. Like it must have felt very ahead of its time at the time. Uh Tony Curtis plays a like a like a real piece of shit PR guy. Uh and he he sort of has to work with this um gossip columnist uh played by Burt Lancaster. And it's like this very bleak dark comedy about LA and Hollywood and what people have to do to stay on top of stuff and everyone is like so manipulative and untrustworthy and using each other to get ahead and get more famous and stuff. And obviously it's the fifties, but like the soul of it, the spirit of it is like, it's, it's, it's how things still are. Do you know what I mean? It's one of these things that you watch and you're like, yeah, you could, you could remake this and change very little, you know, you'd have to turn newspapers into like, you know, websites or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, the performances are really good. The writing is really strong and uh really well directed um this british filmmaker alexander mckendrick uh he also made the movie the lady killers that the coen brothers remade years later oh he made the original and uh it's one of my favorite movies ever it's like it's it is unreal how good it is and it's one of the handful of old movies that i never worry about recommending to people because i've yet to recommend it to someone who was then like yeah but it was kind of boring like it's just people there's really nasty people just saying fucked up stuff to each other for like 100 minutes it's really good okay all right cool you
1: convinced me even though was, you said it was 1957 or something it's black or... and white you know it's oh it's, man
0: you know, well, it's, Not... it's, i said i said la but it's actually set in new york but yeah
1: yeah so it seems like the type of film that should be on uh the tmc channel the movie channel that's yeah that's i think
0: I think the first time I saw it, I think it was on TCM.
1: Oh, oh, T- oh my God. Well, it's a great they, channel,
0: man. There's a lot of good stuff on there.
1: Okay. Well, I, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. So, speaking of movies, right? So, if you had to pick three movies to describe you as a person, what would they be and why?
0: Um, It's kind of... I don't want to say it's hard, but it's like hard to pick three good ones. I, I, I think everyone has things that they really like and they show people and they show them kind of like, you know, this is me. This is like who I am. You yeah. know, like if you don't like this, you might not like me. And um, I, uh, it's so hard. I would say one of the films I would choose is probably *Chunking Express*, the one Car Y film. *Chunking like Express*. Fa- what? Yeah, it's one of my. It's one of my favorite movies. It's uh, the first time I ever saw it, it was on a VHS that like Quentin Tarantino put out in the nineties. So the movie opens up with Quentin Tarantino being like, "Hey guys, here's this movie I watched. It's really cool," and I was a teenager, so I, I cared what he thought. Um, <laughs> I still do. I still do. I'm not trying to say like I, I still rock, I still rock with QT. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's it's sort of like a Hong Kong cop movie, but it's much more like this sort of ethereal like romance thing. But just the, the entire vibe of the movie is like very important to me. It's something I love a lot. Um, if I had two more, uh. I would probably show people uh Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the uh Shane Black movie. With Kiss Robert Kiss Downey Bang Jr. Man. Okay. The movie that's essentially responsible for the, uh, the his his resurgence. Uh the movie that without which he probably would not have gotten to play Iron Man. Uh that's it's... fun. That's
1: funny because uh uh when you used to talk about Robert Downey Jr., like I didn't really know much about what he went because I heard he went through a lot prior to that yeah,
0: he, he was My, smoking rocks yeah and,
1: uh, yeah so like the first film funny enough the first film that i i saw of him before iron man i think was it was the tropic thunder War- no Uh-oh. no i think it was even before that he had played it was just like a silly ass kid movie i gotta find it but uh trumpet thunder was like the second one that's when people mm-hmm. was like oh like he's back y'all you he, kind of like okay he's kind of back but then obviously, like, people was like, well, he's playing a black man. But I'm like, okay, you got to understand, like, that he's making. Yeah, people didn't understand. Yeah, I, no, I they just, didn't get it. Yeah. They, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. But what was the movie? God damn it. I'm going to be so mad. But keep going as I find this movie.
0: The Shaggy Dog. That's okay. That's the what Shaggy, it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's the movie I saw. I was 10, so I was like, okay, like, yeah.
0: Yeah. He, I, I like His Kiss Bang Bang because I like buddy movies and it's very much sort of a love letter to film noir and like detective stories and stuff mm-hmm. and shane black is a writer and a filmmaker who um his like uh his like a uh, his take on the genre is very very much like how i feel about the genre and stuff so that's always the thing i force people to watch <laughs> generally speaking they like it but um uh and then i think i've had one more i would probably pick um yeah, when I was a lot younger, I probably would have picked the Woody Allen movie. I was really into Woody Allen as a teenager. I get it. When I was like I get seventeen, it. I, get it. I so many of his films really meant a lot to me, which is like weird. But I don't know. I was, I was like a I was a nerd. I get it. Um, I get it. You it know, but like I, when I would... you when you fall off of
1: WWE, and you're like, I'm only watching this kind of shit. I'm only watching TNA and RH. I get <laughs> it. We all had that yeah.
0: phase. Um, but I would say I had to pick like another movie um you know this isn't really actually like necessarily one of my favorite movies but it's a movie that like the wavelength is on is something that's very personal to me and it's the movie under the silver lake uh that came out Mm. a few years ago it's an 824 movie it's this weird mystery from the guy that did it follows uh it was a disaster it was a failure of epic proportions um but andrew garfield is in it and it's like set in la and it's him trying to like solve this mystery of a missing girl, kind of. But it is it is it explores this weird thing about popular culture, like specifically through the lens of like young men and like yeah. the type of things young men are obsessed with with popular culture. And the movie doesn't fully work, you know, but I really admired what they were going for and it felt very personal to me. It was like I I like I vibe with some of these things. So I would probably show that to somebody as like a warning like this is the, the worst the this is how bad it could get um right. those three films probably yeah
1: okay I uh, and and i always do this on the show so i never let people do these kind of things alone so i'm gonna name the three movies that uh describe me uh that would describe me personally like if you don't if you if you don't know if you don't know these movies then you don't know me kind of stuff okay first movie i would say is brown sugar I gotta say, uh Okay. All right. I, I love brown sugar. I think it's uh one of, it's probably it's probably my favorite romantic comedy film ever. Boomerang's like a whole second. And I would have said, said boomerang, but I don't want to cheat. Um uh, because alright, yeah, it's I think brown sugar, just because I love hip hop and I've always loved it as a kid, and just like like when I first saw it, I never really uh I never seen a film like that that kind of like puts like hip hop and love like in one film. Like I thought it was great. And I mean, you know, most deaf like is one of my favorite rappers. So I was like, man, like this guy is super talented. So Brown Sugar, the second one. i mm, I'm not gonna lie, man. I I fucking love the departed, bro. I fucking love that shit, man. It's a good movie. D- despite despite the Mark Wahlberg and Jack Nicholson, they they fucking they saying the N-word like crazy in that movie, but Martin Scorsese, man, like, y'all, y'all niggas need to stop fucking playing with my guy, Martin Scorsese. Y'all need to stop fucking playing with him as if he, not the, he ain't the realest, all right? One trapper of the year, four times in a row. Stop playing with Martin Scorsese. <laughs> stop playing with that man, all right? Amazing film. He's a uh, god. If there's a song that describes that film, it's Snitches and Rats by 21 Savage. That perfectly describes the film, all right? So, shout out to perfect. Departed. The third one, the third one. I think the third one. I'm gonna. oh, actually, this is actually harder than I thought. The third one, third film. What's a film that I'm gonna say a third a third film that describes me personally? Damn, that's so okay. I got I gotta think about it. Just a See, little it's not bit so fun. easy, is it? It's it's not it's not because there's so many ways. Uh, there's so many ways I can go about it. But I think I'm gonna go with Training Day. I think I'm gonna go with Training Day. It's um, a good movie. It's a good movie. I mean, like it. I mean, I get it. Like, I mean, it's so many classic scenes in that movie. Like, I, I, I think Training Day definitely is. It's not Denzel's best role. Actually, you know what? No, I'm trading that. I want. Put, I'm putting Malcolm X. I'm putting Malcolm X in there. Malcolm X, oh, which I believe is Denzel's best role. Uh, what If not, it's top three. I I, I love them in Malcolm X. I mean, and I love the story of I, just Spike Lee pushing for this movie to happen. I mean, it's just one of the... And I feel like it's one of the most perfect, you know, biopics ever. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know how people feel about biopics. You're never going to get it 100% right. Uh, no, but I, Malcolm I, X
0: is definitely one of the best ever. It's, like, it's so good.
1: It's, that, it's literally like that in Ray, where it's like they get it, like... At least 98% right. At least 98% right. So you got to give credit to that. So Malcolm X, uh, Brown Sugar, and The Departed. Those are the movies I would say describe me personally, man. all all good ones. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I said, stop playing with Martin Scorsese. Y'all need to stop playing with that, man. Because I haven't watched Killers of the Flower Moon. I still haven't even watched Alpenheimer. I fumbled with that too. That's uh, my yeah. that's my fault.
0: They're putting it back on IMAX screens this month, I think, for like okay. a couple of weeks or something. So. Cool, because yeah, got time.
1: I still got time. I like I told because you know Barbie and Oppenheimer coming out. I told my girl, listen, we're gonna watch I, I want to watch it in the seventy. I want to be like that guy. I want to watch it in the seventy, whatever, whatever. And I saw your reviews, like it doesn't fucking matter. Just you know, I was like, okay, yeah. But then I kept stalling it, and it's like. It came out, what, in July, right? We're in November. July, yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I still haven't seen this shit. I, I mean, it's not a spoiler because everybody knows what fucking happens. But it's like, I still want to see the film. So mm. I got to make made time to see that film. But yeah, those would be the movies that describe you personally. So um, let's talk about your podcast, right? Your favorite film critic. You know, offers a unique perspective on film criticism, really. So like, what's one conversation or topic discussed on the podcast that you found particularly particularly like enlightening or like thought provoking
0: so i mean part of the the thing with the pod is like i never i don't have guests it's just me it's just it's me just talking by myself for like an hour or whatever uh so a lot of times the conversations that we're having are genuinely with myself like i I literally just um just like riff um but there was an episode uh where this is kind of a this is like kind of a, a I guess not a cop-out answer but I I recorded an episode that I literally couldn't release Um, and it was like a really really big episode like themed around like my birthday Mm. and the audio was just so fucked I don't know exactly what happened but it was literally just unsalvageable like I could have put it out and it would have been an hour and a half of people just like their ears hurting it was really bad I stayed up super late trying to fix it whatever I couldn't so instead I released like a 45 minute episode that was just me complaining about that. <laughs> that was just me being like, look, I, you know, I'm sorry. Um, but there, one of the things on it was that I, I made a list of movies I loved when I was younger. Yeah. Um, when I was like a kid, cause I was like, I've been, I've been really thinking a lot about how uh, my thirties, my late thirties. And, um, you know, when I was younger, I, I felt more amazed by things more often. As you get older, it happens less frequently because you've been around. So I was like, what stuff did I really fucking like when I was like 13? So I made a list of like movies I really, really liked. And they had to all be pre 9-11 because I was like, but 9-11 <gasps> happened. 9 happened. It changed everything. Yes. I was like 15 at that point. And, and yeah, and everything changed. So like it has to be pre 9-11 and it has to be movies that I watched at least three or four times when I was young. And then out of that master list, I picked like five or six movies and the days leading up to my birthday, I just watched all these movies. And the pod was me talking about them and comparing how I, comparing how I felt about them when I was young versus like how I feel now. And uh, it was interesting in this, it was interesting in the sense that as a person in his late thirties thinking, why did I like this movie when I was like 12? And then like, you know at 12 you don't know why you're just watching stuff yeah at 37 i was like i know oh i know why it, that was because of this this is because of this so like yeah. the conversation was very it's a bummer that it never came out but yeah. the conversation was um enlightening because it was just me thinking about uh you know like one of the movies uh was real genius which is a 80s comedy with val kilmer i've it's about, this it's a it's a really funny I mean, again i might be biased because i watched it as a kid and i loved it but yeah it's a movie about a bunch of uh super genius people who go to this college and they're forced to like design this laser um so it's like a teen comedy but it's at college val kilmer is like this party guy but he's really smart and there's this like 15 year old who's in college because he's such a genius and he takes him under his wing and uh as a kid i just thought it was funny because i think val kilmer is funny i think he's cool there's funny hmm. scenes in it there's funny lines. But as an adult, I re- realized that at that time in my life when I watched that movie, um, I was like a goody little two shoes kid. Like my, my mom obsessively made me read and, and watch things because, you know, um, I mean, I liked football. I was like a like a like a you know, I like I liked things kids liked. And she emphatically did not want me to become like an athlete. You know what I mean? Like she, she was like, my mom was really afraid of CTE before most people were afraid of CTE. <laughs> So, like, she really hammered a lot she, of She was Will me. Smith on concussion. <laughs> yeah, for real. That was her. And she really, um, you know, taught me a lot, made me learn a lot of things, like, would make me do extra credit homework when I was a kid. Like, when I would finish homework, she'd make homework for me. And then she told one of my teachers that she did that. So, then the teacher started using it for the rest of the class, the stuff that she wow. made up Wow. She like, went I out was, of
1: her way.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. So... As a kid, though, I mean, I had feelings about that, but I didn't know what they were because as a kid, as an adult, I realized like, yeah, it was not very fun being really smart at that age and not being able to relate to people as a result of it because other kids my age didn't do the same stuff that I did or they weren't expected. They didn't have the same standards and stuff. So a lot of things um, were like just weird to me at that age, you know, so it was like stuff like that. I was like, oh, that's why I really like that or. Um, I watched um the Birdcage, which is like a, a a '90s comedy with Robin Williams and Gene Hackman. Mm. Uh, it's based on a French film, and it's about um Robin Williams and Nathan Lane are a gay couple. They run like a drag club, mm. and uh, Robin Williams' son uh, is getting married to the daughter of a conservative Republican senator, and they have a dinner together. But he has to like he wants his dad to pretend to be straight, uh, and. What ends up happening is that Nathan Lane, his like partner, dresses up in drag as like a fake conservative white woman. Oh, Gene wow. Hackman, Gene Hackman, the Republican senator, thinks she's great. Like just loves her, loves her to death, does not understand some man in a dress. Yeah. Very funny movie. But I was like, why is this a movie I liked when I was like twelve? This is like a movie for like grown-ups. But when I was a kid, the the relationship between the two families was very much like the relationship between like my my mother and like my stepdad's family. They were very like conservative and stuff. And I just realized, oh, that's like a thing that I as a kid, I saw this mirrored in this comedy, you know. So the conversation was really just like interrogating. I, I thought going into it it would be like, oh, I like this because it was cool. But now I'm older. I, I discovered this art thing. And it wasn't that It was, I thought it was going to be like, oh, now I see the camera work. And now I know all this cool cinematography stuff. Instead, it was like, oh, this is like therapy. <laughs> this is just like me unpacking my youth. Yeah. So that was an interesting thing. Uh, to do on a podcast for people about movies i guess
1: Nah, it's it's crazy because you were mentioning those names like you know val kilmer um and i you know it's funny i was watching the mission impossible that came out not mission possible uh maverick got, top, gun? top gun yes maverick and i was what because like you know obviously i was watching it and i was like wait why is it why is he not saying anything i didn't know anything about like what happened I yeah, found out, I was like, it's oh, real, it's
0: a real tragedy.
1: Oh, I was like, damn. I was like, and I remember like seeing him in like, cause you know, obviously, like sometimes I, you know, at times like I want to go back and see like classics, like so I saw Heat a while yeah, ago. Yeah, great in Heat. Fuck, yeah. fucking brilliant, right? Uh, how do you feel about this a sequel coming out? Like, how do you feel about that?
0: Uh, I, I mean, it's almost certainly going to be Michael Mann's next movie. Yeah. Uh, I have the book. Like a friend of mine actually got it for me, at like an like an early event he went to. And like I still have not read the book because I'm a fucking horrible friend. Yeah. Um. But I love Heat, and I really want to finish reading you know, reading this book. But the idea, I think he's he's planning to have, you know, it's most most of the story is a prequel. Most of it takes mm-hmm. place before Heat, even though okay. it's called Heat Two, and then some of it takes place after. So the main characters are going to be the De Niro part, the Kilmer part, and the Pacino part. But obviously, they can't all be in it. So I believe his plan is to have Adam Driver play the De, De-, De Niro part. And then I think he's going to have Austin Butler from Elvis play the uh, Kilmer part. Mm. And then I don't know who they're going to get for the Pacino part. I think I've heard Oscar Isaac, maybe. I think that would be good. There's yeah. a handful of people you can get, but like, I'm very excited to see how that would turn out. Um, I should, I should go off my ass to read that book though.
1: Yeah. So I saw him and he, Oh, a couple of years ago. I just recently this year, I don't, I think he was, yeah. I saw him in MacGruber. I don't,
0: yeah. that's like the last thing he did before this happened. Yeah,
1: yeah, which is kind of crazy to think about it. I I don't even know like what to think of McGruber. It's an interesting film, I'll say that. They're yeah. definitely an interesting film. The only thing I remember about McGruber before seeing the film is that he was a guest host on Monday Night Raw. That was a terrible time for wrestling, in my opinion. I remember but, that episode, yeah, actually. I, yeah. I, I remember that episode, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, and then, you know, I've never seen this Robert Williams one you was talking about, so I definitely want to check that one out for sure. Uh, what's it called? It was called... Um,
0: the Birdcage.
1: Yeah, The Birdcage. So I'm interested to see... Uh, I feel like Robert Williams is... Like, obviously, he was a comedian. The first film, Robert Williams from actually, I saw of him was uh, Flubber. That was the first one i seen. Yeah, it's And moment. then my dad had Hook but he had hook on like vcd i don't know if you remember vcd
0: yeah but... i i when you when you asked my first movie my first movie was batman 89 my second movie that i was obsessed with was hook wow. like i loved hook as a kid i had uh like a toy version of like peter pan sword or whatever yeah um i was obsessed with that movie it wasn't until i grew up that i discovered everyone else didn't like it Wow, Do you know what I mean, like I, I, I just thought assumed, that movie was a shit, man. I, I assumed ev- that was like a formative movie for everyone. And then I get older and people be like, what the fuck is Hook? And I'm like, where the fuck were you when this happened? But alas, one of my favorites still to this day.
1: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So I'm you know, speaking of movies that well, that are just like wow, what the hell, right? Uh it wouldn't be me if I didn't bring up this movie that you put me on to. I believe this movie is a classic. This extraordinary piece of film needs a sequel. And I think you both, I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Dogface, a trap house horror. For the people who don't know, like, how did you come across this film? And why have you been singing this praises ever since?
0: Okay, so uh, I'm obsessed with Dogface, a trap house horror. Uh, about a year ago, I was having a really like shitty night. I don't remember what was going on. I was in a bad mood. That happens, right? And uh, my best friend Cody was like, "Yo, there's this movie you gotta watch. It's called Dogface." And I, I searched it, and I, the first thing I saw was the poster, and I was like, "I'm not watching this." <laughs> and then he was like, "Cause th- the thing is, I love Cody to death. He's one of my. He's like my brother, but he likes garbage, and he likes convincing me to watch garbage." Mm-hmm. There was a year where I was doing the October th- the month thing, and um, I was re- I rewatched Blade and Blade Two, and he was like, "You gotta rewatch Blade Trinity. It's a lot better than you remember." And it's not. It's fucking awful. Yeah. And he was like, no. I knew. I just thought it was funny. Like he just he <laughs> lied to me. Like he thought it would be funny for me to watch that. And I was like, you suck. So I didn't want to do this, but I put it on anyway because I had nothing else going on. Yeah. And something about me that's very important to know is that I never turn off a movie. Um. If I go to a movie, I never walk out. I I refuse. I I don't go to the bathroom. Whatever. I watch movies. Yeah. Um. And if I start something and I'm not feeling it, I will just sit through it. I'm just not going to leave. This just how I am. So I figured, well, I'll watch the first few minutes of this and if it sucks, I'll just like you know, probably keep you distracted by my phone or something. Yeah. But the first 15 minutes of Dogface Oh my God. So much happens. Yo, I'm So saved. much happens. I literally texted him and I was like, what the fuck? And he was like, keep going, keep going. He was like, you, you, you know, don't, don't, don't go. So <laughs> I watched it and I it was like one of my one of the best viewing experiences I've ever had with a movie. Yeah. it's a movie that is so unique and so strange, it posits so many questions and doesn't answer like fucking any of them. Any of <laughs> them. And when you get to like the last fifteen minutes of the movie, it gives you like four thousand more questions. Yeah. And it ends on a cliffhanger, and I just thought. Sometimes I see a movie that sucks, but it's like unique or whatever, and it's like funny and stuff. I didn't feel like this sucked. I didn't feel like it was a bad movie. I just felt like it was really really strange yeah and i remember the more i thought about it i was like you know what this is like a Tubi movie right like it looks like a hood movie or whatever but if david lynch made this people would be like picking it apart people would I, be like what was what did that mean what was that you know what I mean? yeah so i was like i don't want to look at this like oh this is just some dumb thing that i'm like ironically liking i was like i really enjoyed this like it's it's not irony i thought this was really wild um and last year i i talked about it in a video or something i think that's how like that's like the first time you heard about it yeah, yeah. that's the
1: first time i heard of yeah. it yeah
0: but at the time nobody else i knew took me up on it like no i and I, I was like hardcore pitching it to people and they were just like no i'm not gonna fucking do that and i'm like yeah. all right fine you know you're lost uh but then this year i watched it again in the middle of my, my horror watches because i just wanted to just um actually what happened is uh, I, I had a deadline for the Baltimore the 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 local paper I write for and I had, had been asked to write something that was like a black horror thing so I had a, a list of things I, was like, I could watch this I could do this and I was like you know what? I could write about this movie Dogface it's like this crazy movie that I really like and my editor was like do that and I was like fuck and I have an excuse to rewatch Dogface so I yeah. did and I wrote about it but I was like okay now I fully really love this like n- now like on the second watch I was like yo this really holds up so We have not had a lot of new like cult movies or whatever. You know, there's certain movies that like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, The Room, or just movies that people get drunk and they go watch and they sing along to stuff or whatever. And when I when I was done with Dogface, all I kept thinking was like, everyone needs to see this. Everyone I know needs to see this. You need to see it with a bunch of friends. You need to see it on a big screen. Like, that's my big thing. I've watched it on my MacBook twice. I got to see Dog Face on a big screen. I'm telling uh, you. I actually, you know, I, I run a theater. I could watch it on a big screen whenever I want. I just, you, I just realized I've never you can done that. You literally have
1: the power to run out of theater and just, like, say, hey. Um, matter of fact, I sur- want to. surprise your friends and say, hey, we're going to rewatch... A classic film, right? Surprise your friends are pranked. I'm, I'm giving away the game, but who, who cares? But be like, hey, we're watching this film and it's dogface. And they're going to be like, what the fuck? I, I'm telling you. So it's funny when I saw your review uh, or what you were, uh, basically the films that you watched in the uh, that year. And it's, you said dogface or trap house. So I said, okay, bro, Dom, what the fuck is this bullshit? I was really like, I don't know <laughs> what you're doing, bro. But I said, you know what? I trust them. I'm going to watch this film. I watched it and I said, what the fuck did I just watch? I don't know what I just watched, but clearly it it was insane. Right. And I was like, literally every time I watch this film with somebody or with a group of people, it always gets them when the, when the dog face chops up the cop's head and it's like this picture art animated blood that's like, just squirts out of nowhere. You know, I'm not pausing. I don't care. It just comes out of nowhere. And everybody's just like, yo, what the fuck? Cause yes, so many things happen in 15 minutes. I'm not going to spoil what happens, but like, I recommend anybody seeing this film. I saw this the first time by myself. I thought it was amazing. I showed my girl, she said, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. I said, no, you're bugging. I showed my former um, team the Houston Hip Hop Museum, because they was looking like, okay, well, I want we were feeling like low budget movies. I said, guys, we got to watch dog face. It's like dog face. I was like, yes, it's on Peacock. We got to watch him. They watched it. They said, what did we just watch? And I was like, we got to show like people, cause we were at Austin for a uh, dream con. So mm-hmm. we were in Austin for dream con. So we had a couple other friends come to the crib on like Saturday night. They watched, they were all drunk and high and stuff like that. They watched it and they were just like, what, why did y'all make me, we were supposed to go out afterwards They was like, why did y'all make us sit here and watch this? We could have been out. I was like, bro, this movie, but this film is great. Like, I showed you the picture. Like, it was, it's, I need people to watch this more. So then for next Halloween, I should have dressed up as dogface for Halloween. I don't know why I did not do
0: that. Uh, The thing about it now, too, is like, two beautiful things happened with the second, second round of me pitching it to everybody. Is that one, way more friends actually did this time. And I was like, finally, you guys are getting right. Um, and then two is I had a handful of people who also had seen it but didn't see me talk about it. So they're like, "You saw it too," you know what I mean? It's it's become this thing of like, um, like, I I I want it to become a cultural phenomenon. Like I yes. want this to become the size of like Rocky Horror or something. Um, I spoke with the director of the film after my after the uh, my, I did a podcast episode themed about Dogface, and um, he saw it and listened to it and stuff, and he was like really cool about he it. It was like really i was like i hope it didn't sound i was worried that i might have sounded kind of like oh ironic but i'm like this is a genuine thing i love it's not like oh this sucks so bad or whatever and he like knew, he he knew what was up he did not think i was being a weirdo uh he says he is planning a sequel Yeah, he's just working on he's working on the funding he has a new movie coming out the trailer for this movie just came out it's called toxicity it's like a crime thriller it's not very different than, than dog face he's trying mm. to you know, stretch his wings i guess but he's like, he definitely plans on making Dogface two. Like, I'm, I'm trying to get a cameo. I'm trying to get killed by a stripper in <laughs> or something. Like,
1: did he? Did he talk? Did he explain? Like, like was? Did you even ask for any explanations about what is, this? I, I don't,
0: I don't even want the answers Good. unless they come in Dogface 2. two. Yes, that's the whole thing. Is like, I need to see this the rest of this thing unfold. You know, um, I'm like gagging for it so like the fact that he was like no i do want to make a sequel i was like okay bro whatever we got to do yes whoever we got to rob whoever we have to lie cheat and steal to get the budget for this because i'm like he needs more money he needs more money on this next one you know what i'm saying i don't know if we got to get netflix involved or somebody who has deep pockets but um dogface it's something that's rare i think and nowadays is it's very rare that you see a movie and you're like i can't be the only one who's seen this now i need other people to experience it like i need exactly. to be communal. so that's that's it's just like my this if 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 my only achievement in the rest of my life ends up being that i helped dogface 2 get made that will that will be like enough for me i'll feel like i did something good for society like if i could just get $50 million opening weekend for Dogface Face 2. That will be just, let's just if, we, if we get like a, you know, I know we're not going to do like avatar numbers necessarily, but we need to get this up there.
1: No, absolutely. Jordan Peele, whatever we can do, we need to get this on the map. You know, get oh, Monkey man. Pop Productions to get Dogface 2. I'm literally trying to... Anybody that's listening to this podcast, please go see Dogface, A Trap House Horror. It's on Peacock. I believe it's on Tubi as well, but definitely see it on Peacock. I promise you it's worth it. It it is a certified classic on this podcast and on Don Griffin's podcast as well. (laughs) So, you know, in your opinion, like, what makes a movie truly memorable or impactful? Is there a specific film that you believe exemplifies these qualities?
0: Um... I would say when I was younger, I used to be much more into a really good plot, like a really good twist uh, or stuff like that, or like really cool action set pieces. You know, like, uh, I don't know, for a while, I feel like the, the the pinnacle of cinema to me was just like the freeway scene in The Matrix Reloaded. I was like, this, 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 mm. this is what movies are all about, you know? Yeah. As I've gotten older, to me, it really just boils down to like emotions and feeling. Mm. If you make something that if i'm in a theater i forget whatever my life is like outside of the theater if i don't think about anything else but whatever's happening whatever you're making me feel that's all that matters like i don't even care what it looks like what the budget is all the different stuff i mean i do care about those things but like really it boils down to just like emotional impact cuz i think that movies as much as they're entertainment as much as they're escapism i think that movies have a unique ability there's not anything else that we all go sit in a room together and look at on a screen that size and just experience together. You know what I mean? Like if you go to a sporting event, like that's a different experience. If you go to a concert, that's a different experience or a play even, but something about a movie and like seeing a face, like a huge face, like a human face, uh, the size of a building yeah, and looking in people's eyes and seeing them react to things and seeing how they feel I think it's so powerful and uh, as I get older, I just find that that's like my favorite medium for expression or or for storytelling or for art. It's just, that's what I love about movies. So to me, it really boils down to like, do you have a story to tell? Do you have something you want to get across emotionally? If you can use all the technology, the cameras, the lights, your your, your know-how to tell a story, it's gonna make someone feel like leave the theater feeling shit uh feeling more in touch with themselves a lot of things about our modern society are very alienating um you know what i mean living in like a capitalist society late-stage capitalism here at the end of the world where like earth might not be here in like 40 years or whatever you know like things are gonna could become very uninhabitable for us it's a hard time to be alive it's a hard time to be connected to people but still feel very disconnected you know and i just think that when i watch a movie Like, throughout the week, if I go a whole week without watching a movie and I interact with humans, I get sick of people. People (laughs) just have attitudes. You know, I'm in 7-Eleven and someone's behind me in line. They're standing too close. I'm just like, oh, fuck you, man. You know, I just, I just, yeah. "Eh." When I watch a really good movie and I come out of it, I feel so much closer to humanity. I feel so much closer, like, myself, to, like, the world around me. And I think that movies remind you on some deep level that everyone is a movie. Everyone you know, their whole life, it could be a movie. It could be this big, big thing with all these layers and all this complexity. Even like the fucking annoying guy behind me in 7-Eleven stands too close. You know, like before he came here, he had stuff going on. This happened, that happened, whatever. And it's like sometimes movies make me think about people's movies. Like I'll just be in line talking to someone I'm like what's their thing? What happened to them in their youth? They're, they're still wrestling through, you know? And it makes me interact with people differently and better I think um i mean that's that's movies for me really it's just like i think that very few things anymore make me feel connected to the people in society cuz everything else just makes people in society sound fucking awful yeah. so uh yeah just and, and a movie that exemplifies that um any and it's going to sound like a cop out answer but like any movie you know any I mean, like movie. I, 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 I mean i like i for real i um uh, a year or two ago i i saw the movie free guy with ryan reynolds yeah which is like fine it's like fine it's not very memorable or whatever when i saw free guy i got really emotional a few different times in the movie like I, I my eyes watered i teared up and afterwards i just felt so like alive and i was talking to a friend of mine he was like during free guy the fucking ryan reynolds thing yeah. you know he was like that of all movies I was like yeah I Don't i don't know like it's just that's it doesn't have to always be uh You know, you can be like a food critic, right? And you go to all the very nice, uh, you go to all the very nice, fancy restaurants and you know, you have the the fucking little shavings and the little smear of the sauce and shit. Uh, but then you go to like a street vendor and you get like a really fucking good hot dog. It's still really good. You know what I mean? Like it still makes you, you know what I'm saying? So, like to me, sometimes I like to eat very nice food and sometimes I like to eat McDonald's. You know what I mean? Like, uh it's still fulfilling it's still you know technically nutritious i don't know yeah that's 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 kind of where i'm at with movies now i'm like so far beyond my like snob pretension phase into my i will have a religious experience to like a random slasher movie you know i'm just so dialed in
1: yeah well you know what i'm glad that you're in this phase where like you just want to find movies that just fulfill you and it just makes this kind of like satisfy you, just kind of makes you happy and brings you closer to humanity, like you said. But you know what also brings people closer to humanity? is showing people love, right? Giving people their flowers, right? So Don Griffith, the art armchair author, who do you want to give your flowers to? It could be anybody and it could be multiple people.
0: Um a lot of people I want to give flowers to. Uh I will say um Lately, uh, someone I really want to give my flowers to is uh my friend Izzy. Uh she runs the YouTube channel BeCon Rewind. Uh oh wow, real- that's a play yeah. on
1: the movie. Yeah, yeah. The Jack Black and Most Def.
0: Yeah. Um is- Izzy does video essay content primarily. Uh she's the channel started out being videos about Oscar campaigns. Like so she would analyze like the 1952 best actress race and what happened and what led to it. And then over time she's expanded to just telling various stories about film history from like a, uh through, through a woman's lens. Um, she primarily talks about movies with female, female directors, female, you know, uh, leads. Uh, and she does really, really, really good work. And she's like always done really, really good work, but she keeps getting better. Um, and like, you know, some people you you know maybe that you think are like talented or whatever and like they start to do good sometimes you feel like that person's doing good but i don't know that like they deserve it not like they don't deserve it but you're just like that person they're the one kind of getting on right now yeah. like you get a little bit annoyed um every time something good happens for her i'm always like yeah fucking right like she's she's great uh definitely want to give izzy her flowers uh justin uh david you know our, our, our friend justin um you know uh you know, again, a friend of mine, but like uh everything that you know, like the RNC crew does, um, the A show is so good, uh, the Black Print, the the show Justin does with uh, Josh Pease. Like, it's been really cool seeing him just get better and better at what he does, and like always making space to go other people opportunities, always trying to put other people on. Like, that's one of the biggest things in content or in art or whatever is not everybody cares about other people doing well. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, uh and it's it's increasingly rare I think for someone to like be trying to pull people up with them, you know? And one of the things I've always admired about Justin is like he really cares about that. He really anytime he's in a position where he can help other people get on or 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 share their voice or find their voice or whatever, he does it so well. And it's like just such a beautiful thing to see, man. So like that I I always want to be more like that. I don't have like I'm not in a position really where like I can help other people have a much bigger platform like my platform's not that big yeah um but but like anytime anytime anybody is like do you want to like hey can i do a thing with you Do you want to do i'm like yeah sure fuck it yeah like you know i, I don't have a lot but what little I have what little, uh, what little i have yeah definitely i'm down to do that
1: all right and listen man that's amazing bro thank you so much for being on the show dom let the people know where they can follow you my man
0: uh, so you can find me on youtube uh the armchair autour you can uh find me on uh, my podcast your Fave film critic uh on also my youtube channel but it's also on like every podcast platform um uh, i'm on twitter at all new dom i'm on instagram at the armchair autour like i'm i'm all over the internet but uh, yeah pretty much the, the the youtube channel is like my home base
1: and there you guys have it man thank you guys so much for Listening to another episode of Come Get Your Flowers. I'm your host, Deanna Gentil. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. And we'll see you guys next time. Peace.